but we're going to use it for good. Amen. The share of the gospel. Amen. So just another reminder, if you have uh, children that aren't here today, ages 6 through 11, New Generations Children's Church will uh, show their uh, uh, service that they're doing right now with the kids at 7 p.m. tonight on their Facebook page. So uh, if, if your ch children had to miss today, they could watch it tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, also, this week being Christmas, we will not be having Wednesday uh, evening service this week. Uh, so uh, again, just enjoy your time at home and Christmas uh, uh, there. Uh, water baptism will be December 30th. We will be doing a water baptism. That's all we're going to do that night. It won't be the youth or uh, anything else. So those of you that want to be water baptized, uh, December 30th, Wednesday, come on out, bring a change of clothes, a towel to dry yourself, and we're going to have a water baptism service. Amen. How about, I thought about that. that. What a great way to refresh a new year. Wash 2020 off of you. <laughs> and let's go forward. Amen. New beginnings. Amen. So I just want to say happy birthday to anyone having a birthday this week. If you're having a birthday between now and next Sunday, raise your hand. Nobody? Okay. If you're having a bir uh, anniversary between now and next week, raise your hand. We want to tell you happy. Matthew. What day is your birthday? Today? Oh, hey, happy birthday, Nathaniel. He's working in the kitchen. He didn't want to say anything. We're not going to ask you how old you are. Yeah, but I think he's 15 today. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I want to thank all those guys that work in the uh, sound booth. They do a great job each and every week. Uh, nursery workers, everyone. Again, through, through this season, let everybody know on the worship team and teachers back there how much you appreciate what they do. Amen. Because we sure appreciate them. Uh, so anyone with an anniversary, let's get back to anniversaries. Right there. Okay. Happy anniversary to you. How many years? 25. Happy anniversary. Amen. Anyone else have an anniversary? All right. Well, online, anybody, birthday is anniversaries. Happy birthday and anniversary to you. What we're going to do today is receive our tithes and offerings uh, this morning. So if you have your tithes and offerings, you can get it out. I want to share with you ways that you can give. Uh, if you're not here today, you could go to welcome, welcometocfc.com and give online there. Again, just uh, scanning that app will take you there quickly. Or you can mail it in to Post Office Box 1427, La Rosa, Louisiana, 70373. But the best way to give is to be here. Amen. I like to see your smiling face. Amen. We miss all you guys that has been out for a while with this COVID. Amen. But God is able, and we're going to get through this time. Amen. So if you would stand to your feet as we uh, read our scriptures for offering this morning. Amen. Acts 4, 32 and 33 says this. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they all shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerful at work in all of them, uh, in them all. And Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does, uh, does the work. Amen. So let's repeat after me this morning. Say, as I give in today's offering, I stand hand in hand, not with social distancing, but <laughs> I stand hand in hand with the believers that make up our covenant community. 
Together, we can make a difference. Together, we can accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. I am one giver, yet I give with the whole congregation as one church, presenting to the Lord one offering given in unity of heart. In Jesus' name we pray. As Sister Aliska begins to play on the keyboards, if you would just come up each aisle and in one of these blue baskets place your offering and then you can make your way back to your seats. the Lord this morning. Amen. Before, before we have our call to worship, just look, look to your, uh, the person on the side of you and wish them Merry Christmas. Now, Merry social distance. Uh, now, what I want you to do is look, look to the other side and explain to that person why you told the other person Merry Christmas first. No. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Amen. Amen. Let's have our call to worship this morning. Our call to worship is found in Psalms 47, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. Father, we just come to worship you this morning. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son that you've given to each and every one of us, Father God, that brings us the the salvation, Father God, that restores our relationship with you, Father. And Father, we come here to worship you this morning, Father. We ask that you fill this place this morning, Father, in Jesus' mighty and precious name as we come here to worship you today. And everyone shouts, Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and worship the Lord. for a miracle the heart longs for a little bit of hope oh come oh come Emmanuel a child prays for peace on earth and she's calling out from a sea of earth oh come oh come Emmanuel
begin to thank him for all he's going to do because he is worthy. Our reason for being here is for him and him alone. Amen. We're here to pour our praises on him. We're here to bring him honor and glory. We're here to adore him today.
your hands up right now. Father, we just worship you. Father, we worship you this morning. We love you. Let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. We want to go ahead and dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, to their class uh, right now. And if you would, you could get your notes out. I'm going to jump right into the message this morning, and we're going to have the worship team come back up because uh, I want to close this service with us adoring him and worshiping him. And, uh, you know, um, this message is entitled, Wise Men Still Seek Him. How many of you know we got a bunch of wise guys in this world, but we need a few more wise men in this world, amen. So this message... I hope you enjoy it as much. <laughs> Cute little baby running up to hug mama. Amen. Amen. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning. Father, I just come to you today, Father, as we get ready to study your word this morning. Father God, I just pray that every blind eye would be open to your spiritual truths this morning. Father, I pray that every deaf ear be open to hear your spiritual truths this morning. Father, I pray that every mind be able to comprehend your spiritual truths this morning. And most of all, soften our hearts, Father God. Unveil our hearts that we may know you better, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen, Amen. As we get started this morning, uh, this message... Uh, I kind of, uh, I'm always been fascinated and love Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, where God created man. And I, I, I talk on it a lot, but I, I think that's a very key part of understanding everything, right? Uh, I mentioned last week, when you want to get to the purest form of something, you always go back to where it originated. And I, when you want to know about sin and relationship with God, you go back to when God created man. And in the, in the garden, God created man first before he created Eve. And God established, God is a God of order. Okay, let me tell you that. God is a God of order. He doesn't do things in random. There's purpose and, and thing for everything he does. Before he created man, I always uh, say, before he created man, didn't he create a place for man to dwell? He created the perfect environment for man to be there. He didn't create man before he created the world. God is a God of order. He always does things in order. And we see through that creation that God created Adam first before he created Eve, and God established a relationship with Adam before Adam had any other relationship on earth. Because God was saying, you know, your most important relationship is the relationship with God. And God always has to be first in your life. And then God said it's not good for man to be uh, alone. And he, God created Eve. And then his relationship expanded. And then I, I, it got me started thinking about what about in the New Testament? What, what, what was the first reaction of, that we know of written record of man's, for beyond, beyond Jesus' family, Mary and Joseph, 
who were there or the, the night of his birth and all these things. But what was man's first reaction to Jesus? And I came to the, the wise men. And recorded, you know, John the Baptist, of course, Mary was uh, pregnant uh, with Jesus and uh, went to see John the Baptist's mom and things, uh, things. But Jesus wasn't born yet. The first recordings we have of actual Jesus being born, interacting with anybody without his other family, was the wise men. And again, going back on that premise of God is a God of order, I think we can learn something of how these wise men reacted to Jesus, and it shows us how we should react to Jesus. So I'm going to read in, in Matthew, in Mark uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. <coughs> again, uh, what I decided to do, I'm just going to read uh, all 12 verses real quick. I'll tell you to underline a couple of things, then we'll come back and start going over it uh, a little bit more in detail, and we're really going to focus on verse 11 and 12 when we, when we get back here in a few minutes. So let's just, let's go there. We're going to read the whole thing. After Jesus was born, circle after, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, circle Magi, we're going to talk about all these things I tell you to circle, Magi from the east uh, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one to be born king of the Jews? Circle king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, Herod asked them, where the Messiah was to be born? In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come the ruler uh, who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7 says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly. Circle that word secretly. He called them secretly and found out uh, from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, uh, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go to, that I too may go worship him. Circle that. So that I too may go worship him. And then verse 9 says, after they heard the king, they went on their way, circle their way. They went on their way, and the star uh, that they had seen when it rose uh, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, uh, they returned to their country by another route. And I want you to circle by another route. Now, I read the whole thing without stopping much to give us context so we know where we're at. But now, let's, let's do what I call, I like picking it apart. You know, when you, when you get your big piece of chicken, fried chicken, you take that crust and meat off, but then by the end you're picking a, I don't know about you, I love getting every piece of crust off of that thing. We've got to pick it apart to get the good stuff here. So, so let's just, again, back to verse 1. 
It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I had you circle after. Because I want you to understand, when the wise men went to Jesus, found Jesus where he was born, was not the night he was born. Okay? It was after a while, uh, some scholars believe it's, it was even up to two years that he was already born uh, before he went to them. But regardless, a two-year-old, an infant, whatever it is, uh, we, we realize that these wise men went to seek him. He says, during the, uh, the time of King Herod, magi. Now that word magi means, it translates wise men or scholars. Okay, now in those days they did not have public school system. Okay, the only ones who were educated were the upper class of people. Okay, so these men were scholars, they were called wise men, so they were probably from a wealthy family, could be royalty, could be whatever, but just high up in society. And it says this, that uh, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born, now notice what they say, king of the Jews. Now, Jesus had been promised to be the Messiah for many, many years. Israel was waiting for him to be uh, there, uh, be born. But how many of you know that they were more looking for a king in this world? They were looking for a king. Where Herod's place was, this is why Herod got, uh, got nervous. Because he had heard that the king of the Jews has been born. But Herod was king. And in Herod's mind is, oh, this guy's going to overthrow me. I've got to kind of find out. That's why he became worried. You see, they were looking for an earthly king to sit on a throne in, 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 the, in the palace. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to die on the cross to give us salvation uh, through, uh, through his uh, death and resurrection. So... This, this is why, why we say, he says, king of the Jews. He says, they said, when we saw his star, when we saw his star, when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And this is what I just want to mention right here. We've seen his star when it rose. So in other words, the night he was born, we've seen the star. But then it, it, it seems through scripture that it went away. It didn't stay up the whole time. That's why they went to Herod and found that they knew that, that they were in the direction where they seen the star. And they came and we know the Messiah has been born. We're looking for him. Uh, why? Because they couldn't, the star wasn't there no more. They were looking. And he says, uh, when King Herod heard this, that they said king of the Jews, he was disturbed. It got him nervous. And uh, the reason this happened was Herod wasn't the nicest king. He was okay, but he knew he was not from the line of David. He was actually from the line of Esau. And he knew, he knew from the teachers, and, and that's why he asked them again, uh, what they, the Jewish people knew, the Israelites knew, that they were going to have a king from the line of David. So most of the Jews did not even accept him as their real king. They were waiting on the Messiah that was going to come through the lineage of David. So Herod starts to get nervous. And he says, so uh, when he called together all the uh, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where, and notice what he says. He even calls them the Messiah. Where is this king coming from? Where was he, where was he to be born? And the, the teachers refer to the book of Micah where it says, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what was written by the prophet, which is Micah, verse 6 says, 
But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means uh, least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler and will shepherd my people Israel. You see, so Herod knows what the Scripture said. The Jewish people, the Israelites know what the Scripture said. So they know that's not speaking of Herod. So Herod's thinking, I'm about to lose my throne uh, with this. He says, i got to do something. He says, after... Uh, Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly. Let let me just finish verse 8 and and we'll come back to both these things. He called them secretly and found out exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. Think about this. Why do you think he called them secretly? Can I tell you this? Not everybody that says they're for you is really for you. He's acting like I'm taking you guys in confidence. He pulls them not in front of everybody and he's beginning to devise this plan. When what does he tell them? Come tell me where he's at so I may go and worship him. That was a lie. You see, sometimes the people you think are for you are really not. Sometimes you think the people that are going in your same direction are not. Sometimes the people who claim that they are there to worship God, that they worship God, are the farthest from the truth. He calls them secretly and says, Come, let me know so I can go and worship him. You know what was really his thoughts? What we see later on was that he wanted to know where he was so he could kill him because he didn't want to lose his throne. You see, sometimes people have alternate motives in life. And you think they're for you. You think they're going in the direction you're going. You think they're helping you along, but they have something else in plan. Verse 9. After they heard the, the king, they went on, notice what it says, their way. What they had planned in life. How many of you know that all of us, before we came to know Jesus, was living our life our way? Our, we went the way we wanted, the way we, we wanted to go, and things like that. And this is where they were. They had not met Jesus yet. They had not found the Messiah. They had not found the baby yet. And yet, they were on their way. Okay, And this is what we, we're going to focus on a little bit later today because once you meet the king once you have an encounter with the gospel once you have an encounter with the messiah you are no longer to go your own way you are to go his way says that they went their way and then it says and the star that they had seen now the star appears again rose and went ahead of them until it stopped. See, the star was gotten until it stopped over the place the child was. Now, I'll, I'll just say this. Some people, you know, there's many things of what the star was. Some people believe that it was the, the pillar of light that led the Israelites throughout the desert, whatever it was, that it could be the same type thing. But all we know is that it rose and it apparently moved and it was directing them to Jesus at this time after they spoke to the king and it stopped over the place the child was. Verse 10, 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Then verse 11, which we're really going to focus on here in a few minutes. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12 says this. After having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by what? Another route. You see, when they came, they were all going on their route. When they were planning on leaving, they were planning on leaving on their route also. But once they had an encounter with God, once they had an encounter with the Messiah, it changed their life and God sent them down a different direction. And you see, that's what we need to understand, that once we encounter Jesus, our life is in a different direction. It's no longer ours. You know, uh, everybody in this place listening online, you probably came to a point in your, in your life, if you've accepted the Lord already, where you said, you know what, I'm tired of doing this my own way. I've been doing it my own way for how many ever years it is. I, I'm tired of what, what, what my life is, this revolving door of uh, uh, all these things happening in my life, all these habits. All, I'm tired of these relationships. Uh, my, my marriage is falling apart. All these things. I want something different. We've been doing it our own way our whole life, doing it our way, going our way. And God says, once you come in, to uh, become a believer and you see the Messiah and you let the gospel work through you, God's going to send you on a new way and a new path. So we need to let the gospel change us. I want to look at three lessons that we can learn from the wise men to help us find a better way. If... uh, we're getting ready to get into 2021. What happens every new year? People make all kind of New Year's what? Resolutions. I'm going to do this, right? Well, you know why we're all so skinny? It's because every year we, go, we start that new diet. You know, we're going to lose weight this year. We're going to do this this year. We're going to exercise this year. We're going to do this. We're going to read through the Bible in a year. And what ends up happening all the time? Usually before we reach the end of January, those new resolutions are, ah, forget it, (laughs) right? (laughs) But if you want something, a resolution for this year, these three things that we've seen from the wise men, the first encounters with with Jesus as human beings, not besides his family, the three things that we see in them need to be our New Year's resolution, what we need in our life. So these are three lessons we can learn from the wise men to help us find a better way. Because that, that's what it's talking about. When, 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 when they came, when they left, they went on a better way than what they were planning themselves. God sent them on a better way in life. So number one is we need to have a spirit of humility. Spirit of humility. Notice what it says here in verse 11, Matthew, 20, Matthew 2, 11. It says, when they came to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they did what? Bowed down. This is very important, and it shows a spirit of humility. That here's a child in front, and there come, 
And they, these are men who are well-educated, top of society, and they bow down before this child. It's being humble, not proud. Let, let me give you a, a, defini- a definition here. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Okay? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Last week, uh, uh, my message was identity, knowing who you are in Christ, that God gave each and every one of you a, a special thumbprint that no one else in the world has because he created you special, unique, for a purpose. You are who you are in Christ when you know your identity in him. But humility is being humble. Not thinking, the Bible says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Okay? We, we need to be humble. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. You see, Jesus didn't think about himself when he went to the cross. He was thinking about you. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. Being humble, they bowed down. You see, we, we've all struggle with pride in life we do that that's original sin being wanting to be first can i tell you that pride is the opposite of humility can i tell you that pride causes problems while humility solves problems let let, let me explain this to you pride causes problems humility solves problems pride satan said i will lift myself above the stars adam and eve eat it and you will be like god that's pride Uh, thinking them and what happens satan gets kicked out of heaven man falls into sin nothing but problems humility christ who is the Son of God, born in a stable, not a throne room, not the nicest hospital, born in a stable, humbles himself, the Word says, even to death on a cross, dying for sin, and when, while yet he was sinless. And what does it do? Solves our problem. You see, our pride brought sin in our life, Christ's humility solves the problem. You see, so many times we argue because we want to be right. Sometimes we're more worried about being right. Husband and wives get divorced over because someone wants to be right more than they're willing to humble themselves in the relationship. See, being humble allows you to learn. Being humble means you know you don't know it all. Uh, I, 
few weeks back I posted real knowledge. Do you know what real knowledge is? Anybody, y'all young enough to remember when you were a teenager and you knew it all? Right? If you were a teenager and you knew it all, raise your hand. The other ones, we're going to pray for you, you lying spirit. Because as we grew up, we all knew better than mom and dad. Right? We all know better. We knew it all. And I always say this, I remember in civics class in eighth grade, when, when we studied about the presidency of the United States, when they said you had to be at least 35 years old before you could run for president. And back then I said, why in the world you have to be so old <laughs> to be president? You know, have you, why would you want to be so old? And when I look back at, at that now as a 35-year-old, you're barely wet behind the ears <laughs> on knowing what every, everything is. I'd, I'd have great caution in that. But real knowledge is what we learn after we think we know it all. Right? Real knowledge is what you learn once you thought you already knew it all. You see, when, when you get in your 20s and 30s and you have children yourself, you start, and your children are teenagers, and they start trying to think they know it all, you start saying, Mom and Dad, you know what? All these years... I thought I knew it all. I really didn't have a clue. Because the roles are reversed. Being humble. Humbling ourselves. You know, so, so many people think, you know, they're all that and a bag of hot chips. You know, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, you know what a bag of chips is? You open it up, mostly hot air and a few flakes. That's what, that's what you, that's about all we are with our class, a bunch of hot air. And I, and I do want to speak, you know, all these people that want to save the planet. Can we deal with the potato chip companies? You know how much wrapper they race, waste with a bag of chips? They, you got a bag this big for three chips. You open it and there's nothing at the bottom. We, we could, you could, you could make, fill three bags, you know, of that thing. So let's, let's. Stop waste on potato chip bags. Actually, make them the size of the chips that's in it. Amen. We, we want to help the world. <laughs> so we need to begin to, to realize that they came with a spirit of humility. Because humility is the way we serve God. That they were able to bow down. These men were able to bow down at a baby's feet. Next thing we see is that they express and show the spirit of worship. A spirit of worship. Again, I think it's very important that I believe God was... Is, this is in the Bible to show us how we are to relate to him, to Jesus. First, we have to come with a spirit of humility and know that we need a Savior. We can't do it on our own. We need God's help. Next is the spirit of worship. On coming to the house, they saw the child where, uh, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, which we just talked about, presenting humility, and they did what? Worshipped him. They worshipped him. Can I tell you that humility is a key to worship? 
Humility is the first key to worship. Because if I'm not humble, I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna think I'm too good. Humility is knowing where you're at and things and worshiping God. It, it is if those men were not humble, if those men were full of pride, they would have never bowed down and never worshiped. Can I tell you? Even this, you know, when we think we worship God and, oh, because Jesus died on the cross and all this thing, and, and, and we know about all that and God's majesty and, and uh, everything, but they bowed down and worshiped a baby that had done nothing yet. A little baby, probably couldn't talk yet, in diapers, they bowed down and worshiped. Because of who he was. Not what he did or what he could do. You see, it takes humility to do that. He had done nothing for them yet, but they worshipped him for who he was. You see, a lot of times we, we got crisis Christians. The only time I, I want to serve God and worship God is when I'm in a crisis, when I don't need you know, when I don't, When I'm not waiting for him to bring the breakthrough. You know, a crisis Christian is going to start worshiping. Oh, Lord, send the breakthrough. But they're worshiping for him for what he can do, not for who he is. You begin, you begin to worship and seek him for his hand and not for him. See, these wise men worshiped him before he ever done anything. He didn't need to do something for them, for them to worship he didn't need to perform a miracle for them to uh, be humble and bow down and f- before him and begin to worship him. They were just came with a spirit of humility and knew he was the king of kings and worshiped him. Psalms 95 verse 6 says this, and, and this is the picture of them. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And here he is, a baby. Psalms 96, 9 says this, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Each and every one of us need to have a spirit of worship. Psalms 100 verses 1 through 5 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, and worship the Lord with gladness. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, sometimes worship looks, people worship God and it looks like they just drank a gallon of pickle juice. Worship with gladness. And you don't even need music to worship the Lord. You just worship Him. You lift your hands and you just begin worshiping Him and, and things. And part of, uh, let me backtrack a little bit. Part of about humility, I was thinking about this, is it, 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 a key to worship. I remember when I first started coming to church here, I was sitting around where Sister Sarah was. That's what sit way back there. And, uh, I wanted to worship God, but I had too much pride to. You, you may be able to relate to this, but I wanted to worship 
God, I wanted to raise my hand, but they seemed that my hands seemed like they were 500 pounds each. And I, would gra- I, I, would ho- I held on to the front pew. <laughs> and, and the reason we do that is be- a lot of times is because what is somebody going to say? You know, you're, you're a new Christian. W- what is somebody going to say? You're raising your hand and you, you begin, your pride wants to interfere. Your pride wants to, oh, well, I'm just, I'm too embarrassed. I'm too, it takes humility that I don't care if I'm embarrassed to raise your hand. You know, if we say, whoever wants a million dollars, raise your hand, we would raise our hand with no problem. Nobody would be embarrassed at all. Raising your hand for a million dollars, oh, there's nothing about it. Now raise your hand for the Lord. Oh. Raise your hands and worship Him. And it's that internal battle with your fleshly man. Because you have not come to a place of humility, you're still wa- walking in a, in a spirit of pride that, that keeps you from raising your hand. So it says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is He who made us. Remember last week? Your identity? Whenever you start feeling down, whenever you start thinking you're pop on, whenever you start thinking you're no good, why did God make you? I told you, you need to look at your thumb. And remember, say, I don't know why He made me this tall, this short, this wide, this skinny. I don't know why He made me look like this. But He gave me a unique fingerprint that I'm one of a kind. It's like a, a barcode when you, go, when you scan at the checkout. You are the only one He created. And God does not make mistakes, and God does not make junk. So He is our maker. Again, you need to go back and listen to last week's message if you struggle with that, to help you with that. It says, uh, it is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. He says, enter His gates with thanksgiving in His courts and with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We need to humble ourselves and worship God for who He is. Can I tell you, even in service, church services and things, we, we call worship service, but a lot of people come and it's really more of a song service for them and not worship. It's up to you to enter in. See, I could, I could just, it's just like, could be like listening to a radio. But you need to humble yourself, put down your guard, you know, put down the, oh, I, I got to still act like a tough guy. I don't want to be, I don't want to... People thinking I'm, I'm a flake. People thinking I got a few screws loose. Well, don't worry. You can, you can have a few screws loose. You could be a nut as long as you screwed on the right boat. Right? And begin to worship. Listen, this is, this is man's first encounter with Jesus. It's setting the precedent of how we are to be in relationship with him. Humble yourself. Know that, that you need a Savior. With man, it's impossible. 
But with God, all things is possible. And then we humble ourselves to be able to worship Him. We have to put all that pride in the exterior things that we put out in front of everybody. And be, that's why Jesus said that we come to Him like, like little children. Because little children don't care. Little children, uh, you know, sometimes you watch them dance and you can laugh because they're the worst dancers in the world. They're so uncoordinated. But do you think they care? They don't care what they look like. They just begin worshiping God. Now, I'm not saying, I know y'all, y'all got the moves, you know. Got, uh, Darren got the George Jefferson. Amen. Let's erase that. Edit that out. <laughs> Amen. I love me some George Jefferson. Amen. Next thing, a spirit of humility and a spirit of worship. Then the next thing we see is a spirit of generosity. A spirit of generosity. Notice what it says in verse 11 again. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary... And the number one bowed down, humility. They worshiped him. Number two. And the third thing it says, they opened their treasures. Circle that. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now these gifts were worthy of a king. They weren't ordinary gifts that you'd give to just anybody. It was worthy of a king. Many say that it represents who he was and what his purpose was here on earth. That the gold represented his purity or his deity. That the incense, which is, was used by, for, by priests and priestly duties, uh, would, would be that like he's the high priest, where it says that he's the high priest for once and for all, that he was the last sacrifice, because it was the high priest in the Old Testament that would sacrifice the animals to, for the forgiveness of their, the people's sins, that it would cover their sins. But Jesus says that he was the last priest, the last high priest, and he was the last sacrifice that has to be made. And then the third thing they gave was myrrh. And myrrh represents or is what they would use in death, in the embalming process, that he would die for us. So as you see those three things that were brought, it kind of shows his life. The gold, the purity, his, who he was, the Godhead, and, and then the frankincense, the, his priestly duty that he would do here for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And the third thing was, was the uh, myrrh, that for the uh, uh, embalming of his body about his death and resurrection. But I want you to notice what it said there. They opened their treasures. See, they didn't come with mom and dad's treasures. It's Christmas time right now. How many of you know it's easier to give of somebody else's stuff than it is of your own? Yeah, right? What if, what if a millionaire would come give you a credit card and says, look, you could charge $100,000 for your family this year on Christmas? Oh, but we, we ring a ring a ring. Right? We're willing to give and sacrifice of others, but are you willing to give of yourself? Think about that. It's easy 
to offer somebody else's time, but are you offering yours? It's easy to offer somebody else's help, but are you offering yours? Now, notice what, what, is, what we're, we're looking at here. They open their treasures, no one else's. In other words, I want you to understand that they open their heart to him. Notice what Jesus says in verse 621. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. They gave of their treasure. It's representative of they came and gave their heart to Jesus. All their treasures on earth what they had were given to him. You see, we need to come to him and give him our heart, our very treasures. You see, when it says they opened their treasures to him, it was a reflection of their heart. In other words, I like to say, if you want to know where your heart is, get your calendar and your checkbook. Look in your calendar and checkbook. What you invest your life in, which is your time, and what you invest your finances in is what's most important to you. You hear me? What I invest my time in, what I dedicate to, what I, what I, I focus on, what, what I give to, what I'm spending my money on is what's most important to me. You see, your treasure, which is your time and finances, represent your heart. That's what you have in this life. And these men came and they gave of themselves. Because they were truly given their heart. They humbled themselves, worshipped him, and gave him their heart. Uh, the worship team would make their way back up this morning. I want to just close with worship this morning. I want you to think about these three things we were talking about here today. Being humble. And if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is the point where you have to come to being the ultimate Humility is knowing that we all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And there's no way we can make it to heaven without Jesus Christ. Without the gift of Christmas. And the gift was that baby child. Are you willing to not bow down, humble yourself, put your pride down, and admit that you need a Savior? Brother Darren, if you'd go ahead and dim those lights for me. You see, God gave his son to do what only Jesus could do. It's to die on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins, my sins. So our first step that we do when we come to Jesus, when he's in our presence, is humble ourselves. Because we know who he is and what his purpose is. So if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I would just want to give you that opportunity here right now. I ask everyone just to stand to your feet. I want you just to say this simple prayer with me. and Close your eyes and just envision yourself maybe kneeling before the child, realizing at this time that He is the Savior of the world. Say this simple prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
I come to you today. I humble myself before you. And I admit that I am in need of a Savior. I fall short in many areas of my life. But I believe that you love me so much that you gave your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I receive the gift of salvation today and ask Christ to come into my heart to be Lord of my life this from this day forward. Amen. Now I want to encourage you, all of us here, whether you've been serving the Lord 20 or 30 years, don't go back our way. Follow His way for your life. Follow His plan for your life. We are no longer ours, the Bible says. You were bought with a price. Serve God. Be humble. Uh, humble yourself. Then truly worship Him. Truly worship Him because He has your heart. Amen. So I want you just to envision being one of the wise men that day that came up to Jesus. He hasn't done anything yet, but you're going to worship him for who he is. Because we know he's the answer that we've all been looking for. He's that better way. He's that new way from that point forward. Not to go our own way, but he is the new, better way for our life. So let's just worship this morning. Brother Aaron, go ahead and turn off those lights. Lift your hands this morning. Humble yourselves before the Lord and worship Him.
is worthy. For he alone deserves your praise and worship. For he alone we live our life. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise as we just close today. Amen. Father, I just come to you right now. Father God, I lift up each and every person here, Father. I just pray a special Christmas blessing upon each and every one, Father God, as they leave this building here today, Father God. Father God, we pray that they have a blessed and peaceful Christmas, Father God. We pray that Christ would be the center point of everyone's day, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Remember, 2021, humble yourself, worship the Lord, and have a generous spirit. Amen. God bless you. Give him your heart.